Hi, good morning, Kyle. This is Jen. I'm calling from good old Santa Cruz. Um, I'm calling because I just listened to your Morocco podcast, and it made me super stoked on Morocco. I really want to go there now. Um, And I was wondering, because I also enjoy solo travel adventures, I was wondering if it's safe for women to travel on their own in Morocco. Um, You described it as pretty modern sounding, so I'm guessing that it's cool. But if you have any safety tips or insights that you pick up that you could share, that would be so awesome and appreciated. So, yeah, thanks so much. Um, I hope that the rest of your trip is amazing, and I can't wait for the next episode. Bye. Hey, Jen, thanks for sending that in. Great question. Short answer is yes. I think Morocco is totally safe to travel to as a woman alone. They are a primarily Islamic uh, country, and if you were to ask me, hey, is you know Saudi Arabia or Iran or one of these real hardcore Muslim countries safe to go to as a woman, I would say no. But Morocco is pretty progressive. They're pretty modern. Um, they still have a king, but the king is... Um, known for being very progressive around women's rights, gay rights. Uh, and I found that the attitude of most people was that of really wanting to adopt um, Western values around our social issues, um, women's rights, gay rights, etc. Not saying you won't experience um, sexism, uh, but I think that you'll the juice is worth the squeeze when it comes to um, the experiences that you could have uh, in Morocco. It's It really is one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to. And um, I think that you'll le- probably learn a lot in this uh, podcast episode, actually, about Morocco, about the history of Morocco, and about Islam. I grew up non-religious, so I got to ask a few stupid questions. Um to Ahmed, who is a practicing Muslim, about uh, that religion and what they believe. And, um, you know, it's I try and approach these subjects uh, with as open mind as possible. And, you know, I'm not a professional debater. I'm not Sam Harris. I'm not someone who has studied in these subjects. So uh, I'm not always equipped to really you know, debate religion. Um, and I don't know, all that is to say, I think Ahmed was just represented himself and represented the country of Morocco very well. Um, he is a historian and I was given his contact by a friend. He lives in Essaouira. He grew up there and he does, uh, tours of the city. This is, uh, very uh, old historical Medina um, that I stayed in for a few days um, where I celebrated my 30th birthday. Woohoo. Happy birthday to me. And uh, this guy's tour was one of the highlights of my whole trip. Um, I will include his email in the description below, but Essaouira is a groovy little... um, town right on the coast uh where you can go down alleyways and you know get 
fresh fish tagine and buy local handmade rugs and there's stray cats in the alleyways and it was just a a really beautiful um town and Ahmed as I said he gives tours so um I took one of these tours from him and then asked him if he'd be in the podcast for uh reasons that will become clear very soon um you know, people ask me like, hey, who? if you could interview anyone, who would be your favorite podcast guest? And I often say it's someone like Ahmed because this guy had never been on a podcast before, um, but he just has this vault of information that otherwise wouldn't be getting out to that many people. Um so people like Ahmed are my favorite podcast guest because they're like these diamonds in the rough. You know, you just come across these people who are so smart and so interesting and just leading their lives. And uh, one of my favorite aspects about this whole podcast is that I could get someone like Ahmed out to thousands of people who will now listen, listen to this episode. Um, it just makes me feel so good and reminds me why I have a podcast is uh, for conversations just like this. Um, I highly recommend going to Esquera. It was one of the cooler spots that I've been. Um, and in the next episode, I'm going to do my check with Kyle. Uh, it's going to be the first check with Kyle episode. For those of you who don't know, um, I've been scheming on this for a little while. But the idea is that um, chances are, if you listen to this podcast, you're a weirdo like me, and you might enjoy some of the same things that I enjoy while traveling. Um, so I'm putting together a little compilation of the most useful information I learned on this trip. So you know, um, good hotels that I stayed in, good words to learn, good uh, just basic travel advice, and I'm shifting the format a bit. I, I went into this trip on um, thinking that I would do a bunch of short form interviews and release them in a series of episodes. And I did a couple interviews and I realized very quickly that if I'm just trying to extract information from people, like, hey, uh, what's the exchange rate? What's the best bus to take? What are the best words to learn? Um, those interviews are pretty dry and not entertaining and it's actually it would be more entertaining in a format where I just do a kind of long form rant with little bits of audio from the field um, and I kind of tell you about my trip the way I would if we were just sitting down together over a beer you know at a bar and you were thinking hey I want to you, you say hey I want to go to Morocco what do I need to know so We'll see how it goes. Um, I'm going to record that tomorrow and put it up in a few days. So I look forward to hearing all of your feedback about um, what you think about the first Check with Kyle episode. But um, that's the way that I'm going to try and format it. And uh, hopefully you guys drive lots and lots of value out of it. You know, I was thinking this is it's a cool um, thing that we have here because I have, there are a lot of like-minded people that listen to this podcast. So chances are you would like to take a similar trip as me. You know, you're a surfer who also 
doesn't want to just be a ding dong and not learn anything about the culture or the customs or the language. So um, I'm going to try and pass on not only good wave advice, but also good advice about the country and the culture and the history as well so that you can uh, go on this trip if you ever decide to go to Morocco and uh, be a little bit more well-informed. You know, I, I think that as um, travelers, when we visit a new country, we become ambassadors to our own country. So setting foot in a new land um, and trying to be, uh, trying to absolve your ignorance as quickly as possible is a good goal to have. So I hope that the Check with Kyle episode is something that can bring you that kind of joy and value and whatever. Before we get going, as always, I want to send a huge thank you to Santa Cruz Medicinals for sponsoring each and every one of these episodes. Santa Cruz Medicinals makes potent CBD that I use every single night, and it's been helping a lot with my jet lag. I use their CBD tincture. I take a few drops before I go to bed, and it helps me get into a deeper sleep. Um, so if you want to get some CBD in your life, head over to scmedicinals.com, type in the code name KYLE10 and get 10% off. They are our only sponsor of the show, and I rely primarily on small donations from people like you. So if you want to donate, if you feel the need, if you have the extra income, you can go click the link below this episode, throw a few shillings my way, and I'd be grateful. I'm going to leave it there, but as always, you can email these groovy little voice memos to info at kyle.surf. And you can sign up for my email list where just once a week I send out a short email to your inbox. These typically are uh, short stories that I write. All right, I'm going to leave it there. Hope that you're all having a wonderful day from wherever it is that you are listening to my voice. And please give a warm welcome to my man, Ahmed Jadli. Kyle Cameron here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah, we should, of color. we should set the scene right now. So <laughs> so we're in Hotel Maroc, yeah. uh, Salute Maroc, so and this room is an homage to the Berber people. Yeah, Every yeah. room in this hotel, they have different art and colors that are representative yeah. of different Moroccan cultures. Yeah. Um, who are the Berber people? Well, the Berbers, I guess, they are a very old community. Uh, they are nomad people. They... I don't believe they are originally from Africa because sometimes you have people with a white skin and blue eyes. That's not Africa, I guess. So when you do some historical research and you go to the depth of the thing, you, th- you know, there are like people, they say the Berbers, they have come from the Middle East, you know, and uh, other Historically, says they opt for, you know, the North Seas, so they must be like very old Germanic tribes. 
Doing the Lord's Sea to come to North of Africa. And even today, you'll see Berber people who are nomadic uh, yes. nomads yes. out in the Moroccan desert, and they'll have blonde hair and blue eyes, yes. and yes. they speak Berber, which yeah. is a different language yes. than Moroccan Arabic. Well, the, the Berber language is, is completely different from you know the uh, Moroccan dialect. The Moroccan dialect is an outcome of the Berber language. It's when you, uh, uh, when you speak Berber, you know, the syntax, the tenses, things are different from classical Arabic. And when you mix, you know, classical Arabic, but a big amount of it, and you put into it the Berber syntax, the tone, the expression of the face, and so on, so forth, then you get the Moroccan dialect. So when you speak the Moroccan dialect with, let's say, for example, the Algerians or Tunisians or people from Libya or Egypt, they won't understand 100% of what you're saying. So sometimes Moroccans, if they speak their dialect, they find themselves obliged to do like a soft upgrade of a soft, soft version of classical Arabic. I was uh, yeah. I was giving a, a talk at this big beach cleanup uh, last week, mm-hmm. and my friend Saad uh, he whispered something in my ear when I was giving the talk, and he said, "Say this to the cl- uh, crowd." And I was like, "What is that?" He said, "Says uh, Manzekin." Manzekin. Manzekin. How are you? How are you? How are you? In and Berber? the whole crowd Manzekin. was like, "Ah, yeah, Manzekin, <laughs> Manzekin yes. in Berber." Yes, which is completely dif- different from the Moroccan dialect way of saying "How are you." And how do you say... Uh, kif der. Kif der. Kif der. Huh. Kif der. Man zakin. Kif der. Not in common. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And, yeah. and, and, and as you said, the Berbers are... They are still here. Do they have a presence in Essaouira? Of course, of course, of course. Myself, I'm half half. Half my Berber. My mom, she's Berber, and my father, he's an Arab. And I guess this is what you can call a Moorish or a Moor. Uh, the Moors are related to the fall of Spain when it was invaded by the uh, Moroccan dynasty at the time. But I guess... When uh, was that? It's by the end of the 15th century, you know. Okay. So so Spain was invaded by Morocco. Yes. Where you travel Spain, you still see the Al-Cordoba, Lambara, Andalusia, and the Islamic heritage there because of the Moroccans at the time because they were very genius in architecture, there are still some kind of edifices you cannot explain. It's like the old uh, architecture of the Egyptians, you know. And you wonder if these people, they have sophisticated tools to cut the stone, which is amazing. Wow. So what, what are some of those? Um, well, there those are, are mosques, are, mosques. There are fountains. The water is out of the fountain. It's like a music. It's amazing because one of the heritage that's been back to Morocco after the fall of Andalusia by the end of the 15th, 15th century was music, the Andalusian music, the guitar, the violin, the luth, different, you know, drums, different way of singing, uh, the poetry of a rebel, the singing about a comfortable life in the gardens, you know, because the quality of life there was so good, was so luxurious, you know, and that was the possibility for the Moors there to get married to some Christians at the time, so that's how we had also the Catholic influence in Morocco with the, with the coming back with those people. Uh, when, what was the reason for the Moors uh, invading Spain? In, in was it, Do you say you, the 15th century? You, you know, Spain and Morocco, they're neighbors. They they've are. been invading each other, you know. They've been invading each other in the sense that it goes this way or that way, you know. 
And I guess as long as you have a stability in your country and you have money and power, you become a little bit greedy. I guess. <laughs> yeah. You're on the next door. <laughs> we humans aren't good at being satiated. We're, yeah, well, we're, we've, we've rarely been yeah. good at saying, oh, that's enough from me. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'm full. I'm yeah. full. So I guess. Power corrupts and absolute yes. power corrupts absolutely. So it was not only, I guess, Spain, but a part of France. And I guess when Islam spread all over the world, because sometimes of trading, it got China and part of India and even part of Russia. And, you know, I guess travelers, when they travel, they don't invade. They look for business. And when they go to a new virgin land with new people, People, they're not fooled by the appearances or whatever. They analyze the behavior. And when the behavior is strict, it's good, people are just, sometimes they're interested. Where are you from? What do you, what is your belief? Whatever, you know. And then they say, we are Muslims, so do you do this in Islam? And then people, oh, this is like Christianity, this is like Judaism, this is, you know. And that's how the Islam spread. It was not by the sword in the past, but it was a question of behavior, discipline. Mm. Of course, there were ups and downs because there is the human nature within. And what are the the primary uh, products that were traded between Spain and Morocco? When you say Morocco, I guess in always in Morocco we have this kind of uh, uh, animal skins or leather, especially the goat skin, and we have also uh, products, you know, like spices, you know. And there is also the influence of the African uh, products like ivory, like different woods, like some kind of seashells. And there is also uh, sometimes uh, the, uh, the techniques how to do, you know, a kind of uh, material for building, you know. Right. Yeah, that's that's a, So when you say, for example, skill. the work of marble, it's different from the zelige, zolejo like the floor of this room and, uh, you know, these designs around, uh, you know, and the Moroccan culture is very known by this kind of design in the interior of a house. Where, where does the name Morocco come from? Well, the interpretation that um, I found more, lo more logical is it comes from the goat skin, which is Morocco. Morak. So, in, so is in, the word in Arabic Morak for goat skin? No, 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 no. In in Arabic, it's different. You say, but in the old spoken, remotely spoken Berber, I guess that's the origin. That's the origin of the term rock. The goat skin. Yes, yes. And you were telling me yesterday that goat skin is very tough. Very so, tough. So even very even tough. now, people will say, that, "Oh, if you're the, a Morak, very tough." And the animal has a different character. It's not like a sheep or whatever. You know, it's it it is very agile. It could jump in the airs. It's it is a risk taker. You know, jumps from the cliffs. It's crazy. Yeah, and when it, I've seen, yeah, I've, 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 hunt, seen I've, hunt, I've, I've hunted goats actually on <laughs> a on I'm a mountaintop about, in yes. Hawaii, uh, and and I yeah. I hunted the goat, and I had a very difficult time getting to the place yes. where yes. I shot it because yes. it was on such a steep cliff. Yes, goats yes. are badass animals. Man. Yes, they are. They are. So if yes. you say you're a maroc, that means you're a tough. Uh, they're tough, and they support each other, and they live like you know, like a folk, like a group. And it's amazing to see uh, a female goat when it's delivering a baby. All of a sudden, you have like two big tough goat guys. They come around and they bring 
from nowhere, like a big, you know, branch of a tree, and they set the place for her. It's amazing. Yeah. Take care of each other. And then the bears, they are like that as well. Wow. Yeah. And you, so you grew up here in, in Esauera, and you do, you were yesterday showing me yeah. these various stone engravings on yeah. top yeah. of a yeah. few of the, uh, yeah. the, the homes. Yeah. And what was the name for the home that you were you were talking about? Big homes. The big homes. Yeah. House like we call them Riyadh. Riyadh. A Riyadh, yes. And what does a Riyadh mean? Well, a Riyadh, the etymology of the term goes back to the Quranic is, uh, essays, and uh, Riyadh is the equivalent in the Bible, for example, is the Garden of Eden. Wow. It's a garden that shows the easiness of life, that shows also that. The quality of a life is wow, it's good because you have you live in a Riyadh. It's like a compact world that you have within nowhere. Sometimes you know, and the Riyadh is like it's like a castle, you know, and there must be a you a garden within, a lot of rooms. And in the past, with the families, they used to live in a Riyadh, you know, and in what big number. and what did the stone engravings represent? On top of the well, doors. The, the stones uh, sometimes they can tell you about the identity of the family, you know, because in my place is Sawera, by the way, which is uh, a city on the coast of Morocco between Safi North and Agadir South. It's a city w- in which the three Montreal groups they used to live together, talking about Muslims. Sometimes they're Berbers, sometimes they're Arabs, sometimes it's a mixture of the two. And there was always a very large community of the Jews of Morocco, we called them Sephardic Jews, and also a good number of Catholics. And I'm talking about the 18th century, 1760, up to now. Still there are synagogues up, and there is a church up, and just like a mosque, and these places, they still have the same legacy, and we do respect these differences, because in Islam, because we're Muslims, there is nothing that says the opposite. You know, we do believe it's like an upgrade. We mm. do believe in the same God. But time change and Islam brought new things in comparison with Christianity or Judaism, you know. So historically, Aswara was a... Am I pronouncing it correctly? Swera. Swera. Swera, Swera. is in the right way to pronounce Swera. it. Swera. Swera is because of the French influence. Mm, okay. Yes. Yeah. But historically, you had all these different groups living in this Medina. Yeah. It's right alongside the coast. There's a yeah. lot of trading going yeah. on. There's yeah. this huge yeah. wall that spans three miles around. There's yeah. this kind of maze of alleyways yeah. and corridors within it. And... Uh, I feel like I'm a re- I'm a part of a real sense of history here, yeah, and all these yeah, different cultures yeah, mixing. And yeah, I feel it yeah. even when I go into a restaurant. Yeah. You know the the insides of the restaurants and the yeah. homes they've been retrofitted a little bit, but they still have a lot many of their original structures. Yes. And the food inside, you know, yeah. you can sample Spanish or French or yeah. um, Moroccan yeah. food that. Uh, it's it's a real cool example of just cultures mixing and matching and yeah and well, making this, it and well trading. this is this is Morocco I guess it's because of the uh, the geographic location of Morocco we are northwest of Africa and vis-a-vis to the Middle East we are the west of the Middle East you know or the east the Arabic word the Islamic word we are in the far west and it's a big gate to Africa. We are only 10 miles from Spain. 
you know so it's been always like a melting pot land where people they get mixed up and live in fusion except the differences you know and uh, when you uh, live with a community people they live from trading which means they're used to travel they're used to strangers you know and they do believe in day-to-day kind of market and when you are in the market you must be open and psychologically speaking you should be prepared to the day of the market because you do business you don't care about the color of the one who is in front of you or his race or religion or tongue whatever you do business with respect yeah that's bad business if yeah. you if you don't want to trade with people yeah because if you stuff your head with the detail this is a black this is a white this is jew this is muslim you don't do business that way i'm not talking about the business to to do to do you know thousands of i don't know dollars no it just keeping the wheel turning you know every day because you have kids and you have you know obligations and but you don't lose your self esteem when you you think this way what is the role that salt has played in swara well there was a there was a, a big business made out of salt in the past because there were uh, some salt mines not far from Swara there still there is one or two that is still exist so the locals and especially the some berber tribes and some jewish tribes at the time they used to dig out the salt from the uh, the mines and to refine the salt and salt was packed on the camel's back and it was taken even to Timbuktu in Mali so it was like a long journey with local goods so to give you a comparison there is the famous silk road in asia salt road in morocco that was the equivalent and salt it was a product on which the culture was hovering because people they needed the hard workers they need salt in the food they need salt to preserve you know the food they need salt to treat the skin of an animal in a tannery you know before the appearance of chemicals or whatever you know and sometimes it's even used within the building you know yeah man it's it, it's it's salt it's, and i guess ice took the value out of salt during <laughs> yeah. the 50s with the appearance of the bridge wow and this road from Isuera to Timbuktu it was a part of the big history of this area the caravans loaded with the goods going down from Isuera by the coast to Zagora which is the big gate you know of the Sahara and it's the big adventure you know and then from Zagora they cross the whole Mauritania from west to east and then they get to Mali and north of Mali they head to Timbuktu so from Zagora to Timbuktu they needed 52 days which is a lot and you need some salt yes and from Zagora to Isuera if they're lucky no sandstorms at least two weeks so this was the time put in this road of salt road you know yeah. i guess still up to now we use terms like salary salary well because of salt because people they used to pay each other with salt well, salt was like money at the time you know it was worth gold and so the etymology yeah. of the word salary comes from salt i guess not only salary but there are other terms like a soldier soldier is not someone wearing a uniform and carrying a gun but is a worker he do the job and you pay the guy you give him salt and he was a soldier but in time of <laughs> war they joined the army you know it's the up, the opposite can you know a soldier he's not a soldier soldier is there is soldier 
you know, salt is there, you know. You so are they, they work, you, they're paid, they get the salt, and then the salt they go to the market and then trade with the market. Even the, I guess the term salad comes from salt. Really? It, yes. Any kind of food you, you trade using salt, that's a salad. You don't know what it is, you know. You go to a market, you have salt, you get some carrots, you get some beans, some bread, you take the food back home, they will ask you, hey, Kyle, how much did you put in this, this food? You go like, it's a salad, and they know you've been trading with salt, not coins, not money, and that's a salad. Wow. Yes. You are blowing my mind right now. Well, it's history, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, and, and I had grown up, uh, you know, we all learned the story of Gandhi. We all learned the yeah, story yeah, and, and the his relationship with yes. salt. But yes. I had never really fully considered the yeah. importance that salt had to play in human history. Yes, yes. It was a big, big kind of role, you know, salt took in a kind of, given era in the story, the history of the humans, like Homo sapiens, who were card, and he needs the minor salt to preserve his charisma and everything around him, you know. And and Gandhi, by boycotting the British products, British products and the British yeah. salt and then yeah. doing his walk where they would it worked. get the salt themselves. Yeah. Because when a leader gave the image and he's the first to do what must be done, wow, that's something. <laughs> Right. And yeah. and it's a good representation of the impact that boycotts can have yeah. on changing yeah. systems. Yes. Peaceful boycotts just refusing it to buy products. It sounds simple. Very simple, but it's not. No, of course not. Because now people are trapped in the ritual of everyday life. They need the Wi-Fi, they need this, but tell modern homo sapiens now to to do it without Wi-Fi. Right. Just a week not to be connected, no cell, nothing. I guess it's not that easy. It's a big challenge. <laughs> it's hard to even be alone for four hours. Man. Oh, well, you know, it's it's crazy. But I guess traveling sometimes, you find yourself in that kind of, I call it privilege, not to be connected. Absolutely. Well, yes. you know this, Just, you know the saying, wherever you go, there yeah, you there you are. Exactly. I, I, that's what traveling is. You can travel yeah, halfway around the world, exactly. and you're still just left with yeah. your own mind and yeah. the thoughts that are banging around in it. Yeah. And to be... Um, comfortable uh, just noticing the thoughts like waves that are coming and going rather than chase, what, chasing that, the next. That, that's what they call surfing. Right? That's, yeah. a, that's, that's a form of freedom, I guess. Yeah. When you surf, you're on the waters, you're free, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and <laughs> taking it one wave at a time well. r- rather than uh, chasing it. I, yeah, I mean, I've mm. noticed just being on this trip, like I'll have these little pangs of... Um, almost like panic attacks where <laughs> I want to get connected back yeah, with yeah, my friends. Yeah, yeah. I want to get connected back in a comfortable place. Yeah, but yeah. Um, those are the moments where you can have growing pains. Yeah, and yeah. as I said before, being in a culture that is so different from my own, being alone, yeah. um, it's it's good. You know, I think that as far but you as... Know, you're never alone. How so? That's another facet of who you are. Mm. You know, we're never alone. It's impossible to build on. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. There is the inner side of the other part of us, which is inside, which is amazing too, you know. It's amazing. How did Mm. you become interested in uh, the history of Morocco? Well, when I did my education and uh, reading books, 
gives you the keys to be like a free thinker and to ask questions, you know. And uh, the history of the humans is so amazing. And I do believe history has two versions. One written by the winners, why one by the losers. But in between, that's the real history. But the history of the humans is amazing. There is a scientific way and tools that you can use to do your study. But there is something else. Call it the oral culture, what people they tell in their, I don't know, fancy stories or whatever, you know. But both sides are amazing. They do converge. Yeah. They do converge. What do you think is the importance of understanding human history? Well, it's uh, when you understand that's a privilege. When you understand your health, you have more than a 50% of what we call sometimes a solution to a situation because you do understand. Understanding is not easy. Understanding is being conscious, you know? And when you're conscious, there's a big responsibility. You have to act. You don't, you don't have to be passive. You change the situation, mm. you know? And that is not easy, you know? Understanding each other teach us and tell us that we have to live together and taking care of each care of each other you know regardless of the differences or whatever yeah yeah it it promotes empathy yes. it promotes uh human connection and whenever we feel yeah. like we are these autonomous beings exactly. just look a few generations yeah. back and we might be related we are you know the last studies made about, you know, DNA studies about the Homo sapiens, you know, the origin of the, the humans is Morocco. Is it? <laughs> yeah, check it. You can go and check it online and you'll be amazed by these kind of results. Some of the oldest human fossils, yes, the fossils yeah. come from Morocco. Yes, very old kind of fossils. It's amazing. You know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's the real power of the 23andMe studies, right? <laughs> is they promote empathy. Well, you know, it's it's yeah. it's a little harder to be this is, a white supremacist yeah, when you realize yeah. that you had a black yes. relative. So, you know, it's it's amazing when you do the history and you get into, interested in the history. When, for most of the people, history is the past, which is not. Life is like a will, it's all connected. And the past is always in the present time, and it's part of the future. You know, so we, when you understand the past, you know, then you have the key to understand the present time, and then you can project a good picture for the future. But sometimes people they don't care about the past, you know, which is a pity. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, it should be a a prerequisite if you want to become president yeah. or you're the king <laughs> to have a very oh, deep we're, understanding we're of human history. We're not talking politics, you know, because I just say that for fun because I do believe and all my fellows in my family, uh, we are concerned about the politics all over the world. And for fun, we say that whenever there is a guy who is supposed to be like the next president of a country or a community, he has to do a backpack and to do the word walking, whatever, for one year before he is elected. And I'm quite sure they will deal in different ways. Absolutely. They should also yes. have to experience war yes. if they want to go to war. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that having a, a deeper sense of the 
the the impact of your decisions yeah. would yeah. make you be a bit more thoughtful and a yeah. bit more wise. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, one thing that I was struck by yesterday that you that you talked about on the tour was the wisdom and foresight mm. that Suera had for building codes. Um, one one aspect of this whole city that's just so beautiful is how much it looks the way I imagined it looked a few hundred years ago, even still. And how much of that culture and and history in many places around the world is just ripped out of them because there's no foresight, there's no wisdom. Yeah. And as a result, the places, um, they lose their soul and they lose their identity. Um, what was the the process of making a few of the rules here um, around building codes, and what are a few of those? Well, I won't call them rules because these things existed. We're just preserving what we have, you know? And I guess the community lives in a geography, and it it shapes it the way it should be sometimes. And with time, with the coming of the generations, if every generation put love as a heritage into the next one, this could stay eternally. And this is, I guess, you swear, is one of the places where there is this kind of injection. You get it from your parents, your parents get it from their parents, and so on and so forth, you know. And I guess organism or organizations like UNESCO, sometimes they do a great job. What is UNESCO? It's uh, it's a kind of organization that preserves the culture, the history of the humans all over the world. Hmm. So it belongs to me, it belongs to you too. It preserves the sites, you know, not to be destroyed or raped off of a place or wherever. So people, they can go and travel and be part of that history. And all over the world, there are sites considered like preserved or conserved by UNESCO. Mm, which wow. is good. That's great. Yes. Yeah, so you is it U N I S C O? Yes, UNESCO. UNESCO. Yes, yes. And here in Swara, there's this is a UNESCO site. It is the whole place. Oh wow! Since two thousand four. Oh, that's so cool. And also the port, and I guess also the island, which is a sanctuary for the birds now. Yeah. So you're not allowed to build higher than. Which is uh, always I'm um, I'm grown up in this kind of head wise you know, kind of buildings, never more than three stories or four. That's right. maximum. Okay. So UNESCO is 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 trying to conserve to preserve this kind of feel, this cachet yeah. of the place, which is good because without UNESCO maybe people they could one day What's build it? higher and that would be no good. I have an idea. Let's build a skyscraper in the <laughs> middle of the Medina. People will love it. Well, Let's do bungee jumping oh, in the center oh, and a roller yeah. coaster. <laughs> and I know, how about a casino? People will love casinos. Yeah, well, there was a casino here in the Suera. Really? In the time of the French Protectorate. Wow. When you wander around in the main square, there is the La Banque Populaire. That was a casino. Really? Yeah. Wow. And the and the French have a very deep roots in Suera, correct? Uh, influence, influence, influence. Because between the first and second world war, that was the French protectorate. So the French they have first installed the language in schools and they built schools, you know, 
uh, factories and blah 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 blah. But yeah. on the other side, they were benefiting also from the richness of Morocco, which is I'm not against that. You know, okay. yeah. this is the word. You know, <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> and when the, uh, the the independence was the independence was there in '56, there was some kind of business. It became a bit controversial. Like let's say, wine makers. They were there because of the French culture was settled in Morocco. So with the independence, there was a big question. Should we abolish these wineries and whatever? No, because people, they make a living out of it. Though they are Muslims and alcohol is forbidden, but still it's a job to work, mm-hmm. you know? Is alcohol still forbidden in Suera? What are the laws well, around that? no, in Morocco, you know, this is, uh, we're not a kind of radical... Islamic or whatever country, things are more flexible and smooth. But you you have your own responsibility and you do the right choice. It it depends on you. It's more idiosyncratic, you know, kind of decision. There are bars, there are mosques there, whatever. And you choose. You do your choice. And you assume your responsibility, that's it. So those who are Muslims and they do believe and they practice whatever, they don't drink. Because if they drink, they won't practice. Because when you lose your consciousness, you can't practice the way it should be. And there are amazing things. Sometimes you will ask me why, for example, Muslims, they don't eat pork. Where the Jews, they don't eat pork too. And if you ask both, (laughs) it's simple. And it's not simple in the same time. Uh, it goes back to a very special event in the past. People who do believe they know the prophet Noah. When Noah built the big, you know, ship in the desert and the world was flooded, he kept just the good people in that ship and animals in the ship. And when they were sailing with time, the ship needed to be cleaned. That's where the pig was created to clean the ship. That's why they don't eat the pig. Whoa. That's the reason why. How would the pig clean the ship? It eats every, the humans, defecation, and whatever, you know, around. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pig will eat everything. Huh. That's the reason. That's the reason. So they want to keep the ships clean. Exactly. So you don't eat the pigs. Exactly. And it was not there at the start when they started to sail, but with time it was there among the animals and eating, you know. Wow. Yeah. Uh, What is the Islamic attitude toward hashish? Well, it's it's a question of keeping consciousness, to be conscious, not to lose your consciousness, you know, being sober. Uh, Hash or whatever kind of thing that could make you lose your consciousness not sober, it's better not to consume it because with time we'll be addicted, you know? So this is how it is seen from the angle of vision, which is Islam, Hmm. you know? So are all drugs uh, forbidden in Islam? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And what's the history of hashish in Morocco? Well, there is not a history. There is not a history. Because in the past, there were things that were kind of legal. People, they consumed them, they used them, you know. 
the Indians in America, they used to sit around around the pipe and they smoked the pipe, tobacco, and it was not forbidden. But because you're around and they want to, you know, celebrate the moment with you, you smoke with them the pipe, you know. And I guess maybe it was the same thing here in Morocco as well, when people, they finish their job, their work, whatever, they have this plant, they smoke it to relax. It's like drinking tea, whatever. Mm. Or maybe it's like a cup of wine for some cultures. Right. Um, what's, the, what, what's the process of uh, getting hash in, in Morocco? I remember someone told me that there's something like someone will run through a field with... Do you know this story at all? Like they'll ro- they'll run through a field well, with with some like big clothes, and the hash will stick to them, and then they'll scrape it off of oh, their well, clothes. Fa- Do you know this story fa- at all? Funny ways to you know to to just to to put the picture, you know. But I guess the process is uh, there is the plant, and it be, needs to be dried, and then you get like the pollen out of it. It's a whole process, I guess. Well, and what's the yeah. legal status of hashish in Morocco? Well, I guess in countries like Morocco, people now are discussing, it's like a big debate, should we legalize or not? Right. And people, they can consume it in very, let's say, in a pragmatic way, little quantities, which I guess, I don't know, it's legitimate sometimes, I guess. Yeah, it seems fairly yeah. mellow, at least in, in, yeah. in places around here, which seem... Uh, well, I guess in countries like Netherlands, they have, uh, you know, coffee shops. When you get there, you, you can smoke, you know, you and then you have the right to have, like, a limited quantity. Yeah. If you, you have more than that, then you, you could be, you know, in troubles. But a limited qual- quantity yeah. is, is not bad. Well, you know... They decriminalized all drugs in Portugal, yeah. and then yeah. then they just started using those funds for yeah. rehabilitation centers. Yes, and they saw this huge decrease in yeah. addiction, and it was really um, a wise thing to do because they were yeah. treating the real problem. You know, yes. there's one of my favorite quotes is uh, by a guy named Gabor Mate. He's an addiction specialist. He says, yeah. "Addiction is not the problem. Addiction is the person's exactly. attempt to solve the problem." Exactly. Yes. Um, and in America, you know, yeah. we lock people up and throw away the key, and as a result, <laughs> we have this mass incarceration yeah. epidemic. Two point yeah. two million people behind yeah. bars yeah. in the U.S. more more than any other country oh, in yeah. the world, yeah. um, and we spend. Just from a fiscal standpoint, we spend so much money on locking people up and keeping them locked up. So yeah. even if you're against drugs, just yeah. just shifting the focus and the funding <laughs> to rehabilitation and decriminalization. Yeah. And I'm quite sure those who lock them down, they are dragged too, maybe sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, it's a system of Whenever perverse, but just perverse incentives. Yeah, yes, it's, yes. That, that, that's it. It's about yeah. getting the incentives in order. And I think that Portugal is yeah. a great model for yes. that. I guess when we talk drugs, it's also sometimes some drugs, they are herbs and herbs, sometimes they have like a principal active and they could be used for medicinal ends. It could soothe the pain, it could, it could, it could, we never know, you know. Yeah, yeah. and even psychological pain. Yes. I've had huge benefits, um, and I talk about it often from psychedelics, from using mm. mushrooms and ayahuasca, yes. both yes. Um, both psychedelics that are non-addictive and uh, have been seen as with a kind of reverence and respect yeah, yeah. throughout many cultures throughout the history exactly. of time. And I guess this brings us to food too. 
food, how food is processed sometimes and when people, they can eat organic things, you know, this is also a choice. But unfortunately, in some systems, you don't have the choice. You have to eat processed food the way big corporations, they do it. And you have no, you have no choice. Sometimes she's sad. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, well, I, I got to tip my hat to Morocco for keeping your food in <laughs> order tagine. because the tagine is some of the best in the world. Welcome I mean, every, to the country of the tagine. Oh, yeah. man, every uh, every meal I've had here has been a spiritual experience. Yes, yes, yes you're right. You're right. Yeah. And the flavor profiles are very similar to what we have in Santa Cruz. A lot of, oh, really? Yeah, a lot of uh, the walnuts and dates yeah, and yeah. even the trees around here. I feel like I'm in Santa Cruz. There are yeah. pine trees yeah. out out front. You were telling me that uh, Asuera... Uh, the latitude of Asuera is almost like San Diego in California. No. Yeah. I feel very much at home around here. Well, welcome, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask if just kind of flail my way into a few religious questions because I'm very interested in it yes. and, and want to know more. No do you celebrate Ramadan? Yes, I do. And what is Ramadan? Ramadan is one of the four, uh, the, the five pillars of Islam. If you are a Muslim, you have to believe in God. You have to be monotheist. And God is Allah. Allah is one of the supreme names of God. He is the only one to be named Allah. Okay? And to be in communion with Allah, with God, you have to do the prayers. That's the second pillar of Islam. The third pillar of Islam. And the, and the sorry, it's the second. The, you the, are the, a monotheist. Mm -hmm. You believe in one God. Okay. And Muhammad is his last messenger, maybe peace upon him. And you don't have to deny the other prophets. If you deny one, you're not a Muslim. You have to believe in Jesus. You have to believe in Moses, in Joseph, in Abraham, all of the prophets. Okay, you don't exclude one prophet. But you do believe it's like an upgrade, succession of these people to bring this consciousness, this enlightenment to people, the humans. Okay. This is how it is seen. We do believe in Jesus, but in a different way. He's not the son of God. He's not God. He's not the Holy Spirit. But he was created just the way Adam was created. Okay? And we do believe that he was not crucified. He was elevated. God elevated. Eleva he was elevated by, by God and he'll be back. And... The second is the second is the prayer. Yes, the, the prayer. Uh, I'm just which, talking about the being monotheist in relation yeah. with, you know, to believe in Allah and you know the the prophets. Okay, with some different details, but with respect to the Christians and their belief and to Jews and their belief, you have to respect the, the belief of the others. The second is prayer, which prayer. has been waking me up every morning at <laughs> seven a.m. Five, five times. Five, yes, five a times a day. Sounds like a lot, but it's not. When you're used to do it, it's like you know, instead of smoking a cigarette, you go do your prayers. I was I <laughs> stayed up late, and then I first thing in the morning. It's a, bi started, it's a big challenge. Allah, the one, yes, Allah. that's the muazzin. I was like, yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> I was in well, that yes. state of sleep where I was too that, tired to get up and get my earplugs, yes, but it yes, still woke me up. That, that's the big challenge in the morning, is you, walk, you, you leave your cozy, warm bed, and you go and you your ablutions and to face the Qibla, and you do the praise. That's not an easy challenge. It's a big challenge, you know. 
And yes. what direction do you face when you are? Well, Muslims all over the world, they have to face Mecca, where the Kaaba, where people, they do the pilgrimage. That's the orientation. And because here we are in the West, in Morocco, we face East. Mecca is East. So the third pillar of Islam is to give alms to the poor, which is 2.5 on your fortune every year. And that's how you fight against poverty in society. So, is it, so people, it's a tax. Is it a literal tax? That's that, what that we call pay? zakat. It's not a tax. It's not an official task, you know, which you have to give to the, the, the government or the system. It's you and, you know, Allah. Okay. You take this money and you say, I will give this money. This is my zakat to a poor person or a young couple just married to help them or a widow woman or whatever, you know, or an orphan or, or a sick person or, or, you know. So you don't give it to the, uh, do you call it a church or do you call it no, a, no, right, no. Or a mosque? mosque. You don't, sorry, no, you don't, you don't no, give it to it a mosque. It doesn't go to a mosque, but sometimes people, they give it to associations or whatever, right. you know, it's a money that should right. be, you know, given to uh, a certain time of the year to individuals or association or whatever. It depends on how you feel things should be done, you know. And the fourth element is the Ramadan. You do the fasting a month, a year. And when you fast, that teach you self-control, you know, food, whatever, you know. And you know what is hunger. And you share. And you sometimes even serve the one who doesn't do the Ramadan without a bad feeling. Hmm. You know, it's the nirvana of it all. Yeah. It's to be superior and you feel peaceful and your first meal is, wow, you were born again through that simple meal, you know, by sunset. And you eat nighttime, but not too much. Not too much. So so there's... two, Two meals. Two meals. And the last meal... It's by dusk, by dawn, and then you stop eating. Is there any uh, shift in diet besides not um, eating too much? Or, or is there uh, well, types of food that you well, will stick to fruits, during Ramadan? liquids, dates. In Morocco, we have a special soup. We call it the Moroccan Harira. That's very special, kind of complete soup. She's, wow, my, my favorite, you know. And, of course, you have some juice, some fruits, water. Sometimes you can eat a light tajin in here in Suera. We can eat fish, which is a privilege, you know. Are you allowed to drink water during the daytime? No. No water? No water, nothing. Nothing. No sexual intercourse. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Anything yeah. else? Well, no water, no food, no sexual intercourse between sunrise and sunset. Hmm. 30 days. Interesting. You know, which is really self-control, you know. Yeah. Mm. Is masturbation frowned upon in Islam? That's a very controversial kind of topic. You know, very controversial. Yeah, it isn't it isn't it is in most religion religions. Yes, it's it's not I guess the humans are created in such a way which is amazing. And when we talk about sexuality, wow. It's crazy, you know. 
And masturbation is something that young people or the kids, when we're kids, you discover yourself. The difference is there. Something is wow. And I guess you cannot control it, you know. But sometimes it becomes like a part of a psychic kind of thing taking place, you know. That's a problem. That's sometimes weird. Hmm. But I guess in certain ages, whatever, it's, it's okay. People, they, you know, you, young people, they discover something new. Right. Herberty is changing, something coming, whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes like the center of the universe. And I guess that's how a sex is having conscious of the other sex via that kind of mechanism, which is masturbation. Uh, that was a very deep way of describing yes. masturbation. Yeah, well, it is what it is, you know. It is indeed. Yes. Um, do you believe in evolution? Like you're talking about Darwinism? Darwinism, yes. In Islam, it's the other way around. What, how so? <laughs> In a given time, there were some people that were cursed, and they have become monkeys and pigs. Huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> In wow. time of Jesus, In maybe th- peace upon him, when he was having troubles sometimes amongst some bands of people badly treated, they were cursed. They so were th- cursed, and they become monkeys and... And pigs. Because they believed in Jesus. No. They didn't treat Jesus the way it should be. Oh. And they were repeating that kind of action, which was, was a planned action, you know. So what is the story of uh, of Muhammad and Allah in mm-hmm. what is the, what is kind of just kind of a brief story well, of that and how does evolution well, fit into that story well muhammad maybe when when him, when, like, were, when were the people turned into islam the, the animals and the fir- well it the the first time it was the time of jesus yeah. but there was another time uh back i guess if i'm not wrong it was the time of moses so we're talking about 400 years be- between the two moses and and jesus uh some people they were not allowed to fish on the Saturday, we're talking about the Sabbath, man. So the Sabbath was a sacred day. And uh, people in the Sabbath, they were not allowed to go fishing. Okay. But they wanted to be tricky with God. So they put the nets on the Friday. You know, they were conscious of what they were doing. It was forbidden, but still they've done it. And that they were also cursed. And they become like monkeys. So we in Islam, we do believe in Darwinism, but but the you, other way. You, you just you, you put the cart before the horse, in a sense. You know, it's it, it, I believe in science. You do. So you believe that... Uh, and I've seen all the movies about right. the apes, the planet of apes. When I was a kid, Charlton Heston was, wow, the first, I mean, planet of apes. Uh, there are similarities. It's amazing. But there is a big difference. Hmm. A big difference. If you believe in evolution, it doesn't stop evolution. It has no stop. So before you're a monkey, I don't know what was the shape or the form or whatever. And it won't stop like this. It's going to be something else. I don't know. You hear the prayer in the background yeah. there? <laughs> we're getting some ambiance. You, you can tell that maybe one day we're going to be forced to believe in technological evolution. Robots. Pieces 
put into the human body to make the human body perfect. And I guess the humans, they will suffer. Hmm. You told me yesterday that your major uh, in college was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was a mix between Christian philosophy and Islamic philosophy. Yeah, that, when, that when right? I was in university and the fourth year I had to do my research paper, the memoir, I've chosen the power of language and precisely should we consider the repetition of uh, uh, the repetition in, in, in religious essays like redundancy, which is not. Because when I've been through the Quran and other, you know, religious essays, there is the repetition sometimes, and it's like a light motif in a piece of music. And when it is repeated, something is repeated, it means that you should stop and just pay attention. Mm. What is coming is more important, but it's in relation it's like a chronological set of things. Hmm. So my my thesis was this, and I did a, a parallelism between a passage uh, in the uh, in the Bible and similar things in in the Quran. So you were showing the the parallels between the two religions, and through the power of the language, hmm. you know. And what did your professor think of that? They thought that was converted to, converted to Christianity. And they didn't want that. <laughs> and the other problem, none of them, they have gone through the Bible. So I had to be precise and tell the dean of the department that you should just focus on the passage when Abraham was pleading for Sodom. I like movies. I like books. And when you do the history of the humans, whether you base yourself on the history written or scientific research or archaeology, whatever, and even the religion, things are connected and it's amazing. It's like you are in the movie, man. You know, it's science fiction around you. Yeah, it's all yes. very fascinating yes. stories. All the stories, wow. that, all the stories that you've been talking about. Again, I I grew up not religious, but every one mm. of the the stories, um, they do hit home in a way. Yeah, because they, they are um, they are poking at one of the you know, fundamental human struggles. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. We all face it. Doesn't matter what time you're born. Mm. Uh, th- throughout human history, yeah. we're all facing some of the similar str- struggles. You know, yeah. discipline and yes. loneliness yes. and human connection, yeah. Yeah. Um, and how to ascend through that suffering. Um, yeah. You know, so some people find religion to to do that. Yeah, religion uh, somehow gives you a bit of gives you st- structure or story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is philosophy too. Yes, absolutely. Philosophy too, yeah. Um, you know, th- this is a a big American audience that uh, is listening here, and we won't need to get super into politics here, but given everything that's happening, you know, with yeah. America's role in the Middle East and the rise yeah. of Islamic extremism, mm-hmm. um, and you being a Muslim, but yeah. one who is very much, t- um, strike me as a tolerant Curious person, yeah. Um, what would you have to say um, to you know an Islamic extremist who believes that gay people should be thrown off roofs and women shouldn't be able to show their faces in public, um, and they carry some of the, those beliefs and they make the claim that they are being more true to the Quran than you are. This is you know this is kind of. Uh big introspective into the self of a human being because 
if you were born in a geography, in a time, in a special place with a certain people, these people, they set the rules, they set the way things must be done, and so on, so forth, blah, 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 you know? And on this earth, all over the globe, every single piece of this globe, people, they have been okay on these rules and etc. okay? The clash exists among the humans because inside of us there are other things that reflect our behavior. And the individual outside in society, I guess, should respect these kind of rules. It's like driving a car. You need a license. So imagine life is a car. And the driver license should be religion or the rules or whatever. If you tell me about the gays, gays, they exist. Since a very long time. They have existed with the time of the prophets. They have existed with so on and so forth. They're a part of society. The amazing thing is some people, they are born gay. So is it my responsibility to change the world of these people? I can't. Shall I say they are normal or not, or abnormal? I can't, you know? But we live together. Prostitution is a very old business. Oldest one in the book. <laughs> I, it's crazy old. Besides pro surfing, I think professional this, surfing was yeah. actually the first profession <laughs> in the whole world. <laughs> These are the challenges in life. But if you see things from a human perspective, let's live together. My belief doesn't bother you, yours. If you don't believe, doesn't bother me. But let's live together with respect, with harmony, with the differences. That's, that's the point, you know. That's here, the point. Here, here. Did you uh, have the opportunity to travel when you were young? Uh, uh, I've never been abroad, never been to abroad. be honest. But I'm a big travel in my head. You do? Yes. This is true. I've never been abroad, but I will do the tour of the world. It's going to be more than 80 days. Where are you I would go? like to stand in front of a Van Gogh. I would like to see the pyramids in Egypt. I'd like to be in Tibet, being a part of America to enjoy jazz or blues, you know, in Russia to enjoy the architecture of some places, to be in, I don't know, Iceland, you know, to enjoy the ecological system of Iceland, to be in Africa, to enjoy a safari, to walk next to a rhinoceros or whatever, you know. <laughs> That's life, you know. It's, it's, it, the world is so big out there. And if we don't tolerate each other, we will distinguish one day. It's respect me, I respect you, and that's it. Do your thing, I do mine. And that's it. That's it, man. Yeah. Have you ever thought about writing a book? One day. One day. One day. <laughs> one day. Yeah. Man, uh, I think that's a great place to end. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down my with pleasure, me. My pleasure, Kyle, my pleasure. If people pleasure. come to Suera uh, yeah. and they want to meet you and they want to do they're a tour... Welcome. They're welcome. My pleasure, yes, they're welcome. Is there, is there a good place to get in touch with you? Well, I have my cell phone and my email and people, they call me, 
contact me, you know. Do you want to give your email in case people come here and want to do a tour yes, with you? Yes, of course. What's your email? Uh, G-A-D-L-I, Jadli, G-A-D-L-I, 44, monkeytail, <laughs> at, at gmail.com. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. I, w- I will uh, link it in the show notes. Thank you, Kai. As well. Yeah. Um, final thing that I forgot to ask is talk about, I figured this was worth m- mentioning. What uh, does Jimi Hendrix have to do with Suera? <laughs> well, you know, it's the, the 70s are amazing years, you know. And I guess when young Americans, they were fed up with the war in Vietnam and most of them, they said, it's not a reasonable to be in Vietnam and to fight against the Vietnamese. It's a war that is not ours. And a lot of young people, they have been dead in universities, whatever. Some musicians, some athlete, athletics, and some very known people, they were obliged to go to that war, like Elvis Presley, like Muhammad Ali. He was, I don't know, deprived from his title and not to fight for five years or whatever. And Jimmy Hendrix, I said, I, I've, I've read that he was there too for a week and he was always stoned. And, but I guess once he was back in America, he had this kind of uh, crisis, you know, who I am. And because he was an Afro-American, he joined people in England because he was known in England before America, I guess. And some French young people, they were in England and they were planning to go to Spain to do some surfing. In Tarifa, and once in Tarifa, they have heard of Tangier, and then a lot of Americans they've been following this kind of let's go to Tangier, let's go to Tangier, and they didn't know that Tangier that's Africa, that's Morocco. I guess that's how Jimmy found himself in Morocco, and once he was in Africa, he was like, wow, these are my roots. The Bahamian life was there. People that were accepting these young people with their music, with their vision, with their way a bit. For other countries, it was weird. And I guess in the Islamic Arabic world, I guess Morocco was called, Moroccans, they were called the hippies of the Islamic Arabic world. And that's, you know, how Jimmy did this kind of coast to, to find himself here in Sora in the year 68 for nine days. And he was planning to be back on 68, but he passed away. Uh, the local music also is very interesting. It's kind of deep music. It's the music that's been played by the slaves in the past when they were trapped in some areas of Morocco because the time of the Portuguese, they were smuggled from the west coast of Morocco to Brazil. And some, they had the chance to get well integrated in society and to get married to the Berbers or the Moors or the Arabs, you know. Multicultural, multi-pot thing when you find yourself... And I guess, Jimmy, that was the experience. And he was not the only man, the only one. There were other you know, musicians, artists, writers, designers. Yeah. Well, we still got uh, photos of Jimi Hendrix up all over Swara. <laughs> not only Jimmy, but, you know, there were other people. And they have stayed like loyal friends to Swara, like the Canadian Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen? He was a loyal friend of wow. Swear, yes. He passed away two years ago, but he was a loyal friend to Swear, actually. My man. Well, well I'm. Uh, the word is so small, you know. It's so small. <laughs> it is so small. And it's getting so even small. smaller with podcasts because we're yeah. all staying connected. Well. Thank God. Thanks, everyone, for <laughs> listening. And uh, 
this was one of the coolest locations I've recorded a podcast cool. so far, and mm. I really appreciate you taking the time and for that My tour yesterday. And I've said it before, but man, that uh, that hour and a half cruise tripping around Suera through the alleyways and up on top <laughs> of the castles and you saying, Oh yes, and right down there was where they they filmed Game of Thrones season yeah, three when yeah. they when the <laughs> when when the queen had to be atoned. Yes, that's where they shot it, right there. Yes, so yeah. there are a million and one details that we didn't even mention in this podcast yeah, yeah, that people yes. will have to wait for when they do their tour with you. Discovering and learning. Yeah. Yes. Real pleasure. Hey, thank you, brother. Welcome. Welcome, bro. That's our show, everybody. That was a good one, huh? Uh, I'm going to play you out the song called Leavin' by West of Malbay, and I will link to their band page in the show notes. These guys listen to the podcast, and I love their music. So thank you, guys. You sent me a few good songs that I, I'm going to play. Uh, check out their band in the link below. Also, in the link below, check out my Patreon page if you get a ton of value out of this podcast, if you dig it, if you could spare the equivalent of a cup of coffee every month, click the link below, support on Patreon. I rely on fans like you to keep this show going. If you can't, don't worry about it. Just keep listening to the show. Maybe give it a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. Um, Just a couple stars and some nice things to say help uh, boost the rating of this show. So thanks for everyone who does that. And finally, I do a newsletter every Friday. It's pretty sweet. It might be the greatest newsletter of all time. I'm not going to say that it is because that would just be egotistical, but it might be. It might be. It's just, it's a fun short story that I write, um, trying to improve my writing skills. And uh, this is a good way to hold my feet to the fire. So uh, click the link below where you can sign up for the newsletter, or you can head over to my website, kyle.surf, to sign up. Thank you all. You're wonderful people. You're good. You are making the world a little bit brighter with all that you do. And. Be precise in your actions and your speech, because if you want to change the world, change yourself first. Um, You guys are great. Love you all. Have an awesome day. I'll see you very soon with the first Check With Kyle episode coming at you. So I look forward to getting all your feedback from there. With that, I hope you all enjoy this song called Leavin' by West of Malbay. See you soon. Can we burn it all away?